Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. ministering. I've, I've made it maybe 30 minutes into one message so far on Sunday morning of his, so I'll finish that up here uh, sometime and get Sunday night as well. Uh, but in, in the process of him uh, teaching, preaching on Sunday morning, he, he made mention about prayer. And so unless something's been lost in translation, I just want to reemphasize that we are open in the back now for prayer and have been. Prayer is open there. And so anytime before service you desire to go back, find yourself a folding chair. If they're all taken, that's at the seats. There's some stacked against walls and stuff, and you can grab one of those, open it up, pray. If you're more of a standing type prayer, stand and pace, whatever your position may be. If you like to go flat on your face on the floor, it's hard. All right, but you can do it, not keeping you from it. You can look at that glue on that concrete right eye to eye and such. But if you want to be a part of that, amen, prayer is back there uh, before, before church. Because I know how easily it would be to not have been here through COVID. That was open, and then that was open, and then that's closed. And then somehow amidst all of it all, just get disconnected from the fact a prayer is open before, amen, church. So that is there for someone and everyone that is uh, to participate in. Uh, that would so desire. We're going to be turning again to John 8, verse number 23. We're going to be starting, and we're going to read a few verses of Scripture right there. Amen. Appreciate everybody's prayers. We uh, were successful in this last weekend in, in recording the DVD for uh, the prisons all across America, and so unable to get into them, but we can send something into them, and so we had a, uh, a great, great, great time of, of ministering the Word of the Lord and singing and praise singing and skits and that. Da, 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 da. everything that we would normally do uh, in prison we were able to do and uh, hopefully those will soon be able to get into prisons everywhere and while we were even together uh, getting word like from the state of Delaware talking about uh, having prison a team come in and so as you know as well as I do states are starting to open up more at liberty and hopefully that trickles down then into the prison system as well and so we're thankful amen thankful for that and so we're excited about what God will do in all of that. Uh, outside of that, it was just a great, great time uh, to be together with the prison family. It was like a seamless conversation the moment we arrived until we ended. And, of course, we had people from all over the state. We had people, teams there from Nebraska and Michigan and Indiana and such converge. Uh, Brother and Sister McDonald. Sister McDonald, uh, there's just certain people that are just so precious. Servants, servants of heart. They traveled 16 hours from Nebraska to where we were they drove and uh, we got there my wife and I got there on Thursday night they got there Thursday as well and they'd driven 16 hours Sister McDonald cooked for uh, in excess of 20 people uh, every meal she's from Nebraska the moment we was in that door she was already putting things together to cook and had already driven 16 hours and did this she was up at four o'clock in the mornings to get breakfast for people and I mean I'm not talking about sandwiches I'm talking about she is a cook and uh, it is well with my soul. I, I ate more there than what I normally eat just day by day through the week. But people from all over, and uh, some of them uh, not having the opportunity like I do to fill in for them, some of them driving back after we did a full day of recording on Saturday, driving back that night to Michigan to preach their Sunday morning service. And so these people, I'm telling you that we joined together, they are a group of volunteers. Nobody gets paid for any of this. Nobody gets paid for any of this. They come of their own resources. Food usually is provided and things of that nature. But uh, we, we come together and we do it for the purpose of the kingdom. And there were times that during, and I know you're standing, there were times there even uh, Brother Chester was there and he has a few different podcasts going right now, ministry podcasts, his own. And he had like uh, four different mic stands and we were doing we were doing work when we weren't doing work. And we were doing podcast things with Brother Chester and doing stuff and just all kinds of different things that were going on uh, during those hours in which we were there. But it was refreshing and exhausting all at the same time. John chapter 8, but here we are on Wednesday night. In the house of the Lord. Wednesday. John 8, verse number 23, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, Ye are from beneath, and I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. 
I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me. I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. That will get us started tonight. I want to talk to us this evening about spiritual freedom. Everybody say spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom as we get into our lesson here this evening. Father, I come to you tonight. I pray, Lord, for your anointing. I pray, oh God, for your presence. God, upon every hearer, Lord, your word. God is powerful. Your word is anointed. God, from the very onset, I pray, oh God, let it find a place, Lord Jesus, of God, uh, uh, of just lodging and of, Lord, being... Lord, invested in our minds and hearts. Lord Jesus, here, help us to live by it and grow by it and will not fail to thank you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Spiritual freedom. Last week, if anybody remembers anything about last week, we kind of closed on the note that uh, there is an opportunity that is afforded to each and every one of us uh, to, to become more like Jesus, to become like him. That is an opportunity that is extended to not just the church, but the world, to be like Jesus, to be born, as the scripture would describe, to be born of the Spirit. And what we looked at last week was to reject that opportunity and to ignore uh, the ability to be able to be born of the Spirit is then to, in reality, choose to die in our sins. Because I believe we can all agree, according to the word of the Lord, that dying in our sins is the default setting for all humanity. We're born into sin. If we never do anything to alter that, then we will die in the same sin that we're born into. All right? And so the default setting for humanity is dying in our sins. David even brings our mind, or the psalmist, I might perhaps better say, in the book of Psalms, bring our mind to the attention that we were shaped in iniquity. He said that uh, he was conceived in sin. Uh, Paul to the church at Rome said that the wages of sin are what? They are death. And so we have this default setting in humanity since the very uh, beginning, the flub up, if you will, of Adam and Eve that we are born into sin and we will die into sin if we don't afford ourselves of the opportunity of the Spirit of the Lord and the change that He can give through that Spirit. And so Jesus comes explaining or conveying to these group of people that He's speaking to them. Once again, He's saying, you are from beneath and I am from above. You are from beneath. He, 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 was, he really isn't trying to be, uh, you know, critical. And like we would say today, you're beneath me. No, he was speaking in very literal terms. You're beneath. You're, you're from the earth, the world. You, you are worldly. You are earthy. However, Jesus Christ again was from, from the heavens, if you will. He was from above. He was not of the world, though he came into the world. He was not of the world. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 45. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and this is quite a long chapter that discusses the, res the resurrection in many regards. He says in verse 45, For so it was written that the first man, Adam, was made a living soul we understand that god breathed the breath into the nostrils of adam the bible says he became a living soul so the first man adam was a living soul he says but the last adam was made a quickening spirit what it's referring to there is the man christ jesus that he was a quickening spirit verse 46 says how be it 
that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. In other words, that which came first, even in the mankind of the first Adam, second Adam, that which came first was, it was natural, right? The natural man, the humanity, the flesh, all right? Not that which is spiritual. But it says in verse 46, and afterward that which is spiritual. So that which is natural came first, and then that which was spiritual. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. And the second man, again referring to that, that last Adam, or the second man, also referred to as the man Christ Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. Verse 48. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. All right? And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly that kind of goes a little bit in line with uh, the description that jesus even when he spoke to nicodemus how that which is born of spirit is spirit and that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is earthy you know pertains to the earthy you know uh, that which is heavenly then such is also heavenly verse 49 and as we have borne the apostle paul says to the church at corinth as we have borne the image of the earthy he says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And so we have this, this same opportunity to not just bear the image of the first Adam, but we have this ability by transformation, by change, by his spirit to also bear the image of the heavenly Adam. Amen. The, the earthy Adam is natural, carnal, fleshly. But the spiritual Adam is heavenly. It's, it's more life and life more abundantly, right? And so as we've been capable of bearing the image of the earthy, we also have the ability to bear the image of the heavenly. And again, all of these scriptures that I just read to you is in the context of the Apostle Paul talking about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He discussed the resurrection of Christ and then further discussed the possibility of our own personal resurrection someday. And Paul even said in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15, speaking of Christ's resurrection, he said, if Christ be not raised, he said, your faith is in vain and ye are yet in your sins. You're yet in your sins. Humanity is in its default setting. If Christ never died, never was buried, and never rose again, uh, humanity is in its default setting. We are yet in our sins. And so then Jesus in, in, in John, in John as he speaks to the believers, Jesus is preparing these believers for an ultimate change that will come, just like Jesus Christ had this, this, this resurrection that took place in his life, he's speaking to believers that they can have a resurrection in their life as well. That will, and he's, he's talking to them about things that are yet to come. Why? Because at this stage in John, Christ has not yet died, he's not yet been buried, he's not resurrected. But he's speaking to them about the potential of what can happen because of what's going to happen in his own life that he will die he will be buried notice what verse 24 says in john 8 he says if ye believe not that i am he that's present tense if you believe not that i am he look what he does he goes to future ye shall die in your sins if you don't if you don't believe ye shall die in your sins what are you saying jesus he says this this is what he's saying the only hope that, that there is for the earthy is the heavenly. The only hope that we have for the flesh is the spiritual. That's the only hope there is. The only answer for the natural is the spiritual. And so if, if you don't believe that I am ye, he says ye shall, you're going to die in your default position. You're going, to do, you're going to die as a sinner that you were born into the world as, as a sinner. There's got to be a transformation. There's got to be a change. Something has to altar and so paul clearly said then back to first corinthians 15 he clearly said this in verse 50 he said the flesh and the blood the earthy okay the flesh and the blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of god in other words the same means by which i'm born into this world that man that first adam type syndrome i have that creation that I am, never in a thousand million quadrillion years. That's probably not even a number. 
but nonetheless can enter into the kingdom of God. And if it can't enter into the kingdom of God, then the question I need to ask is this, how can I get there? What must be done? What, what needs to take place in order to be able to enter into the kingdom of God? And so Paul even goes on to tell us that he'll go on to say that at the resurrection of those that are dead in Christ, mind you, those, those that are dead in Christ that resurrect at the day of the rapture, of the sounding of the last trump, he said those people, he said this is what's going to happen because they're dead in Christ. Because they are dead, but they've been born again by the Spirit. They were born the first time, that made them dead in their sins. But when they was born the second time, that made them no longer a servant of sin. He said, this is what's going to happen to those people. They're going to take their corruption and they're going to lay it down. And they're going to put on incorruption. They're going to take their mortality, their earthly, all these things, they're going to lay it down. And they're going to put on their immortality. Why? Because somewhere in the journey between birth and death, they were reborn. Amen. Somewhere between the journey of the start and the finish, the Spirit of Christ brought a freedom in their life that they would not otherwise have had it not been for the Spirit of Christ. So what's the fact of the matter? The fact of the matter is this. Between birth and death, you need a change. I know that's very simple tonight, but between birth and death, we need a change. Because where Christ goes, and he's already told us this in previous weeks, and he'll tell us again this week, where Christ goes, mortal man cannot go. Where Christ goes, the image of the first Adam cannot go. Amen. Without some type of change to his natural life, to that Adamic nature. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. But whenever you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and it's given you the power for a resurrection on rapture day, it's not mortal man that enters heaven. It's not corruptible man that enters heaven. Whoa. Hallelujah. Mm. But it's a man that has found spiritual freedom. Not a man enslaved to sin. Not a man enslaved to the old antics of the first man and the first woman and the first transgression. No. It's somebody that enters in with spiritual freedom that's been extended to them by the spirit and the power and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 11, Paul says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Dwelling you. Now see here, Paul's modeling things just like, Paul, uh, like he did in Corinthians. He talks about Christ's resurrection, then he talked about our resurrection. So here he is again. He's talking about the spirit that resurrected Christ. He says, if that spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, look, dwell in you. He says, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. the same spirit that got Christ up out of the grave he says will get you up out of the grave if it dwells in you listen it must dwell in you you can be moved upon by the spirit feel the angels wing up the spirit on you seven days a week but you need more than a moving and a filling of the spirit on you you need the spirit in you all of the Old Testament prophets and those of the Old Testament could vouch to the idea that they have been moved on by the Spirit. But something changed at Pentecost. Something that, that never could be done before. The Jesus that said, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. Woo! Spoke to them and said, everything that you felt along the journey, now we're changing the format and the model. It's not just going to be me with you. I'm going to have the capability and you're going to have the capability of receiving me and I'm going to be in you. And it's only the Christ in you that gets you out of here on rapture day. Not... I fear, Bishop, there'll be people that's going to be on rapture day saying, well, I have felt the presence of God. I have felt, I understand that. But have you received the Spirit of God? Has He become Christ in you, the hope of glory? Amen. It's the Christ in us. He that raised up Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11 again, shall also quicken your mortal, those earthy, bodies those first Adam bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in he's gonna do a quickening work and so Jesus 
along the journey here. You're from, you're from beneath, I'm from above. We got two, two different worlds, if you will. huh? But I came down to bridge the gap between the two worlds. It's really what Jesus did. Because he came down and took upon himself the image of the earthly. The image of the earthy. The image of the first Adam. Tempted in all ways like you and I are, yet without sin, the scripture says. But he didn't take on the nature or, or, or the design of angels. The Bible says he took upon himself the seed of Abraham. What's that mean? Mankind. He took on the earthy. But he was also the heavenly. And so what we have is Jesus Christ being that mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who's pulling on the earthy and bringing in the heavenly and trying to make a smash-up change for the two. But it can only happen when they get together. The Spirit's got to get together with the earthy in order for there to ever be a transformational change. Amen. Amen. So Jesus wanted the people, he's trying to illustrate to them, trying to convey to them. And I know I'll say this a gazillion more times because we're just in chapter 8, right? There's 21 chapters in John. But he wanted them to understand clearly that he was, as John first wrote in the first book, that he was that word that was made flesh. As we've seen last week, he was that light of the world. He wanted them to recognize him as their Messiah, right? The one that they were looking for and longing for. And he wanted them, of course, he wanted them to believe. Because remember, the whole key verse of John is this fact that people would believe that he was the Son of God and that they would believe in his name and have life. And so he wanted them to believe in that and believing that they could certainly have life through his name. But here is, here is the, 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 the crux, if you will, of the seesaw. But to believe not was also to forfeit then life. And if believing is to believe and have life in his, through his name, then not to believe would be to forfeit the life that could be theirs in his name. In other words, it was them not being able to go where he went. As he said before, where I go, you cannot come. Not you remaining the earthy one, <laughs> earthling. No, you've you got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit in order to get to where he is going. And so Jesus said in verse 24, look at it again. This is of John 8. He says, for if ye believe not that I am he, uh, many Bibles will have the he for you in italics, ye shall die in your sins. Several Bibles do this. You may or may not do this, but the he is in italics. And most of the time, whenever in our English Bibles, a word is in italics, and you usually find this in the front of your Bible, it describes you the reason why. It's because that particular word was added by the translators, according to their estimation, to help our understanding of what really might be, be said. But uh, in my opinion, leaving the he out probably even helps our understanding that much more. Because Jesus is saying, for if you believe not that I am, if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Where else have we ever heard just the statement, I am? When else did we hear God speak to a man after he had after he had, had a burning bush conversation with him and Moses was being deployed as the deliverer of God's people for Egypt. And he says, Lord, if I go back, you know, I've been gone for some time on the backside of the desert. I'm sunburnt and I smell like sheep. How in the world are they going to believe that I've come to be the deliverer? Who, who, I need to have a name. Who, who am I going to say sent me? He says, you tell them I am that I am sent you. You tell them that I am sent you. Oh, God. God is the one that said, you tell them I am. And now here is Jesus. See, it's the masterful thing about the Bible. Here is Jesus, God manifest in flesh. Not the second person of a trinity. God manifest in the flesh, saying, unless you believe. They're looking at, they're looking at a visible, tangible individual here, a person. We know from John 4 that God is a spirit. But we're looking at a tangible person that God indwelt. Whew. Saying, unless you believe that I am. <laughs> I'm not the carpenter's son. I am, but I'm more than just a babe. In the unless you believe that I am. <laughs> he says, you will die in your 
sins. Because the I am in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the I am is that covenant name that God gave unto uh, Abraham. It is the Yahweh of the Old Testament. It is the memorial name. It is, uh, the Bible even tells us in Exodus, and you look at this in your own time, but in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15, that I am, that God spoke to Moses, he said, this is my name forever. And he says that it, was, it, will do, it is to be a memorial to all generations. This is my memorial name. This thing doesn't fade away. This is not something that we pick up and put down. He says this is a forever name. And so whenever Jesus spoke, unless you believe that I am, these are people that, that knew the These are Jewish people. You would have thought that they were like, yeah, he's the guy. He's the, that's him. This is what was prophesied of. But still yet many of them missed it. Many of them missed it altogether. They missed that, that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. They missed the fact that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. They missed it. And yet he toys with it all the way back in Genesis when he made Adam and Eve after his image. And yet he's a spirit. The only way that man could be created after an image, and we're talking about God who is a spirit, is if God in the, in the mind and the will of God, already seeing as he did the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the body Christ Jesus. I, I, we were having uh, a lot of discussions this uh, past weekend. Again, it was like seamless conversations. And someone brought up that whole concept about, uh, you know, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? We get in some real deep stuff. But it was the best thing I ever heard. Because Brother Curtin was saying, he said, absolutely they did. He said they were made in the image. They were made in, in God's image, which we know to be Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was born of a, a woman which had an umbilical cord. And so he had a belly button. So Adam and Eve had belly buttons. It was great. It was tremendous. A lot of fun. That's kind of a side note, but. Nonetheless, for all those that was going to lose sleep tonight over that. <clears throat> but the people in his state did not get it. They didn't get it. Because we go right with verse number 25. Look what they come forth with. Who art thou? Right? Unless you believe that. Who art thou? Oh, please, guys. I mean, I'm like hitting my head like this. Who art thou? Maybe someone was saying, well, maybe they just really wanted to know, you know, so that they wouldn't die in their sins. Maybe they just really wouldn't. You know, nonetheless, Jesus basically tells them this. You're asking me who I am? He says, the story hasn't changed from the moment I've tried to start telling you. Not just in this conversation, but even many times before. The story has not changed. I've been trying to tell you the very same thing as, as it portrays here in the Scripture from the beginning. I am the Son of God. Amen. And one of the masterful things about, about God manifesting Himself in the flesh that, that uh, over the past few days I just kind of you know, mulled over my mind that's different from every other small G-O-D gods that people had worship or tended to worship in the known world is this, that most believers that worship these other small G-O-D gods, you see in Scripture that they were the ones that had to approach their God. They had to go to their God. And something that's awesome about the manifestation of our God in flesh is this, He came to us. I don't know if you understand the weight of that. All these, you know, and, and we need, and Bishop preached it on Sunday morning talking about fear the Lord, having a reverence, you know, for God. And we need that. But we need to understand this almighty thing that we have reverence for came to us. And you think you're not valued. Whew. Why everybody else has to go to some Thing that has ears that cannot hear, eyes and cannot see, noses cannot smell, mouths cannot speak. Our God condescends to where we are. Hallelujah. John 8 and 28, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, He says, Clarity's coming one of these days. That's basically what He's saying. Clarity's coming. You're asking who I am? I've been trying to tell you from the beginning. He said, Clarity's coming. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, 
Then shall you know that I am, again, he in italics there. Do you see that? He's just trying to punch it. I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you'll know me. You'll, you'll know me who I truly am when you lift the Son of Man. And I think it's important tonight. It's a very important scripture. You've got you to keep up on whenever he talks to himself in the Father mode or when he talks to himself in the Son mode. Keep track of whenever he talks about himself being the Son of Man and when he talks about himself being the Son of God. Because whenever he talks about when you lift up the Son of Man, he's talking about the flesh aspect of him. When you put that flesh on the cross... He says, then you're going to know whenever you crucify me, you will understand that my flesh has been guided by my Father. It's been guided by the Spirit because who in their right mind without any charge laid against them will still allow themselves to be crucified on the tree? No man would. There must be some greater plan here of the I am which I am. You get what I'm talking about? So there, there must be some bigger scheme here. And we even read in the scriptures of, of the accounts of the crucifix and the, the, the hours that the Lord spent at Calvary in, in the Gospels. We read that after Jesus gave up the ghost while he's on that tree and he gave up his ghost and he committed his spirit, committed his spirit into the heavenlies, the Bible tells us after that that the veil in the temple written twain from top to bottom. It tells us that the earth quaked and that rocks were rent it tells us that graves were open you need to pay attention to this in Matthew it's really really interesting that at the at the whenever Jesus gave up the ghost graves were open but people came out of the open graves whenever he resurrected read it in the scripture it kind of is all together and people almost read over it as though graves were open they resurrected right then but that's not the case there were graves that were open whenever he died at Calvary and then three days they were open. Three days they are open until we resurrect. And they got up out of their graves as well. Mm. That is just, that's the power of God. I mean, he's like, I can do it when I want to do it. The process, how I want to do it all. But all these things happen. And so as all these things are happening, there is a centurion. That's a part of those that were at the base of the cross. Making sure all matters are taken care of. Right? Making sure that the spikes went in the hands, making sure that the garments were, you know, uh, the casting forth of the lots for, for the, 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 the uh, dis- distribution of the garments. He's there. He's been there all along the journey of this crucifix. In that moment, he cries out and says, Truly, what's happening? The flesh is strung high upon the crucified cross. All of these events have come about. And he says, Truly, look how he says it, though. This is the Son. He doesn't call him the Son of Man, he calls him the Son of God, what's he doing? He's relating to the deity. That is found there on Mount Calvary. So in other words, they lifted up the Son of Man. They lifted up the flesh on the cross. But the events of Calvary gave revelation to the characterization of the great I am that Jesus said he was. And note, just a little note here, John 29, before I read a few more verses of Scripture. And as a side note, because I looked up and looked at times, it was 31 minutes. I had a discussion with a pastor in the past few days, and he told me how twice in his life he has preached an hour and 45-minute message. So everybody's feeling real good right now about my 31 minutes. Thank you, brother. I'll send you an offering. Amen. In John 8, (laughs) in John 8, and his wife said it was even good. Please note that Jesus said in verse number 29, and he's talking, he's using this father language, and he's speaking then, of course, when he's doing that, he's speaking about the Spirit. Spirit sent him. He doesn't, his Spirit, the Spirit hasn't left him alone. And look what it says. This is is just kind of a side note for our lesson that we need to take to heart. Jesus says, I do always those things that please him, his Father. I, I do always those things that please the Spirit. That gives, in, in essence tonight, folks, that kind of gives us insight into what it means to be like Jesus. We sing, sing the song, to be like Jesus, to be like him, all through life's journey, from here to glory, I want to just be like him. Well, to be like Jesus, if we're to take Jesus' own words, I do always those things that please the Spirit. 
good question to ask ourselves. Are we endeavoring to do the things that please him? In this flesh. John 8, let's go on. That was just a side note. John 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, because verse 30 said many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, I mean, in essence, truly, Jesus has an objective, right? In his earthly ministry, he has an objective. In John in particular, he has an objective. He wants people to believe him. He wants people to believe on him. He wants their believing to take them to the place of salvation, right? And so he has an objective. And so we might say, well, man, he's met part of his, his objective. Verse 30 says that many believed on him, and that is great. But here's the great thing about Jesus. He just doesn't want to leave you as a believer, he doesn't just want to leave you as a believer. He wants to challenge us, challenge us and, and develop us into disciples. Hmm. And he says the test of discipleship is this. The test of discipleship is this. Is whether what you believe today, you'll continue to believe and practice many days and even years afterward. Because a person can believe anything in a moment. But do you still believe that two years from now? He says, disciples. He says, continue in my word. Watch this. Disciples continue in my word while believers respond and obey my word in the moment of the revelation and belief. I've seen a lot of people believe in the moment have a revelation and belief. I've even baptized a few of them and never come back to church. <sighs> Jesus says, well, I'm not satisfied just with believing you as a believer. So I want to I turn you into a disciple. He says, if you'll continue in my word. He said, then ye are my disciples. I, I, the, the test of discipleship is do you, still, do you still follow and believe what you said you first believed? And so you're going to continue in my word. You're going to respond and you're going to obey to my word. The Living Bible translates it like this. Whenever the English, when our King James Version says, if you continue in my word, the Living Bible says it like this. If you live as I tell you to, then you are my disciples indeed. It, if you live as I tell you to. Woo. Here's a little difference between just simple believer and disciple. In 1 John, we understood those that received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Right? So uh, a believer in of itself, God will give you power to become a son of God. Now here, let's shift now to disciple. You can look at this in Matthew chapter number 10. Disciples, though, not only as a believer did they have power to become the Son of God, but they have power according to the word of the Lord. He gave them power against unclean spirits and to cast them out. He gave them power to heal all manner of disease and sickness. So I can have power to become a son of God being a believer. But... Demons can be cast out. Sickness and disease can trail away whenever I become a disciple. And that's only possible because I'm continuing in His Word. You know, those seven sons of Sceva may have very well been believers. Huh? Right? That went to the man that had a demon possessed and said, We adjure you by Jesus Christ whom Paul preacheth. What does the demon say? Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who in the world are you? Whew. Hallelujah. Man, I, I want to transition in my earthly experience to become not just a believer, but a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's the fact. He says true disciples will know. He says you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. True disciples will know the truth. 
Now, we have learned already, I'm just putting the puzzle pieces back together, amen, this more than this more than the truth. This is more than the truth of just the word, okay? Uh, because truth is more than just with Jesus. Truth is more than just an idea or a concept. We understand once again that Jesus said, "I am the what way, boom, and life." And so, with Jesus, truth is more than an idea or concept. Truth is a person. Truth is Himself. And so, the true disciples will know the truth. The true disciples will know Him. The true disciples will know Him, right? Amen. This, this, they'll see this life of Jesus Christ. They'll see this God manifest in His flesh. They will know Him. Now, I'm not here to get provocative tonight, all right? But the word know in verse 32, according to Thayer's Amen Bible Dictionary, says that that word know is often used as a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. To know, it's just like in the Old Testament, whenever the Bible says Adam knew Eve, that's not talking about he had knowledge of Eve. That means he slept with Eve. Because thereafter you see that they had children, Cain and Abel born. You see that over and over again in the Old Testament. Thayer is just telling us in the New Testament with this word no, it's the exact same occasion. This is not just a no about knowledge. This is about, I don't know how else to say it, when you get intimate with the Lord. When you know Him. When you intermingle with truth. Mm-hmm. there's reproduction there's offspring truth produces things in our lives when we become inti- intimately connected to it mm-hmm. what's, the best, what's the best form uh, in order to keep any offspring or any children being formed abstinence You know anything produced in your life that's true for, that's godly or that's spiritual? Just never have any moments of connectedness with the Lord. You want to remain unchanged? You want to remain the first Adam in the earthy? Just never have any of that type of intimate interaction with the Lord. But if you want to be a disciple and you want to walk in the steps that he walked in, then get to know him, draw near to him, spend time with him, intermingle with truth. And when you do, reproduction will take place and there will be offsprings that outshoot from your relationship with the Lord. So people, and this is another thing that's interesting because you know, there's all kinds of rabbis in Jesus' days, people that were teachers that had followers and students that followed them and, you know, with bated breath, listened to their every word that they spoke. But there, there is particular episodes in the Scripture that we can see that people knew the disciples, per se, of John the Baptist from the disciples of another rabbi. It's true. They could tell the disciples one individual from the disciples of another individual because... The particular disciples, whoever it was that they were following, those disciples would also teach and emulate the life and the character of whoever they were following. <laughs> and so we, we, we know the disciples of John because they baptize like John baptizes. They teach what he teaches. They emulate his lifestyle. Again, Christ is not just happy with leaving them as believers. He wants them to become disciples. And if he's wanting me to become a disciple, you know what that means? What we're still trying to do today is teach what Jesus teach, taught. Emulate the life that he... Mm-hmm. Emulate the life that he lived. So we have a grand betrayal on the earth today if people are calling them disciples of Christ, but they're not emulating the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Someone say glory. So I guess the question we ask ourselves as Christians, Sister Sharon, is this. Would there be enough evidence in our life for someone to recognize us as a true disciple of Christ? Do we imitate that life and that pattern in his practices? Someone say amen. Amen. Or do we just believe in him in order to save us, but we have trouble trusting him to lead us? Everybody wants us a savior. That's where I can believe, and he gives me power to become a son of God. But how many will be a disciple? Because that's where you must follow. 
and do as he says to live. Romans 6 and verse 18. <laughs> Being then, and I'm skipping just a few verses, 18, 20, and 22 if you need the, I'm just skipping a verse each time. Being then made free, Paul says, being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Whenever Scripture says no man can serve two masters, it means it. You're always going to be serving a master. You just can't serve two. You're always going to be serving a master. And whenever it says no man can serve two masters, we're not, it's not even alluding to the fact that you, you know, no man can serve two gods. It's like you, you can't serve sin and you can't serve God. If you serve sin, you're free from righteousness. But if you serve righteousness, you're free from sin. So you're always going to be serving something. All right? And so he says, being made free from sin, he says, then you become a servant of righteousness. Verse 20. For when ye were the servants, so we're looking back again, when ye were the servants of sin, here it is. You were free from righteousness. Why? Because no man can serve two masters. You're a servant to one or the other. All right? And when you're a servant to one, you're free from the other. When you're a servant to that, you're free from that. So you, you, you just, you got to pick and choose, right? I, it's, sometimes it's not only, only just looking at the fact, this is who I'm going to serve. You might need to look at it through these eyes. This is what I want to be free from. I'm a servant, bless God. The martyr song is being sung. I'm a servant. I go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, which they expect me to be there. Right? Serve it, serve it. I pay my tithes. I got to get my offerings. Right? So some of us just go through the mode of the servant mentality. But maybe you need to look through the eyes of the mode of what you're free from. Maybe you would be better off saying, I'm, no, I, I'm free from sin. The very curse that was upon mankind from the beginning that, that damns my soul to hell, I'm free from that. That sounds a whole lot better now, don't it? Huh? It's like, it's like Adam and Eve concentrating on the one tree they couldn't eat of and they forget about all the others they can. Amen? Glory. I'll say, we was reading scripture, weren't we? Verse 20. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Skip a verse, 22. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, there's that exchange again, ye have your fruit. See, this is disciples. Ye have your fruit. Something's being produced. Unto holiness. And the next part is really grand. And the end, everlasting life. That sounds good. That sounds very good. So the freedom truth offers is the freedom that Jesus Christ extends to us. And it goes beyond just making us free from sin. The spiritual freedom that Christ offers is more than just being free from sin. It is also a freedom that gives us rights. You getting that? Freedom isn't only about what, what, what it saved us from. Freedom is also about is the rights it endorses us with. See, you know, those great you know, pilgrims coming to America, that didn't just free them from England. It gave them rights of a whole new nation and some privileges. That they, so it's not what they just were taken away from it's what they were given they were given rights and so our spiritual freedom doesn't just make us free from sin but it gives us rights to operate a whole new regimen of life that different than just the earthy mortal man look at verse 33 I gotta hurry it's red and they answered him I want you to know I did good I finished in 20 minutes time there I really did I, I had to but I, it was, I did good there were other people that went over. I'm just saying that right now for my own soothing in my mind at this moment. Verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. Look at this. We be Abraham's seed. And they must have amnesia. And were never in bondage to any man. 
How sayest thou, they're speaking to Jesus, ye shall be made free. We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage. You know what they're saying? We don't need freedom. We're not bound. I mean, really, that's what they're saying. Why do you say that you'll make us free? We don't, we don't need to be made free. We're not, we've never been in bondage. We've never been bound. We're Abraham's seed. Glory. Right? Go on. It says in verse 34, I gotta hurry. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son, capital S, abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So, here's the Jews, folks. They thought they were free. They're like, we've never been bound. They leaned on the fact that Abraham was their father. You know, Abraham, the father of the Jews. Abraham was our father. And that... Uh, uh, that man, that Abraham, that you know, left his kindred and his people and, and went on this journey to, to serve the Lord, that, that's our father. But being a descendant of Abraham wasn't enough. Sad to say. See, they believed that Abraham had a, enough good merit storehoused up, you know, and who he was and what he'd done for generations of offspring to ride on the coattail of Abraham. You know? There's some people that get that. You know, my, my, my grandpappy, he was the uh, deacon board member, uh, blah, 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 blah. You know what that is? Someone saying, well, Abraham's our father. They served the church or they served the organization for an X number of years and they served in this capacity and that capacity and they preached all these different places and blah, blah, blah. So my daddy or grandpappy was such and such. Who cares? Listen to this statement very clearly. I put it in bold letters because personally I think it's important. Achievements of the past are poor wages to attempt to live today on. What are you saying? I'm saying I got to walk in victory today by walking in freedom today. I got to continue in the word. I got to continue in truth today. What's, what's the Lord's prayer tell us? Give us this day our Mm-hmm. daily bread. Again, bold letters for me just because I thought it was important. But freedom is never more elusive than it is to them who believe, this is important, believe they don't need it because they're duped into believing they already have it. That was the Jews. That is modern day society. Because the Jews were convinced they were, they, I, we've never even been in bondage. Oh, amnesia has set in. I mean, do we need to recall? That's like, we don't need any friend. Oh, let's see, never bondage. What was Egypt? Never bondage. What was the Assyrians coming in? Never bondage. What was the 70 years of Babylonian captivity? That sounds like bondage. That sounds like slavery. What about all that? Even more importantly than the nations that they were bound out, bound by, what about sin? What about the Adamic nature that each of us are born into? You've never been in bondage, but here's the fact of the matter. They denied their condition and therefore refused any help. We don't need saving because we're not lost. That's the hour we're living in. That's the hour we're living in. Abraham is our father, all this other stuff. I don't need to be set free because I'm not bound. I don't need to be set free because I'm not a slave to anything. I don't need, I don't need this or that of you. I'm not lost. Oh, someone say glory. And so that's where we are in our hour. That, and I'm telling you, hands down, that is the church's greatest challenge today. The church's greatest challenge today is not getting people saved. It's convincing them they're lost. Huh? Because as long as the Jews thought Abraham, the great father Abraham's all right, and that they never had a day that they lived in bondage, and they didn't need no freeing or, or liberty, if that's what they thought, they would continue in the bondage that they were purposely, in some regards, being ignorant of. Huh? Yes. Because it's hard to save saved people, isn't it? But that is the challenge of today. The church has a hard time being a catalyst in setting people free 
if the people themselves don't believe they have anything to be set free from. But all men, Jesus is trying to underscore the fact, all men are bound to sin. All men are a servant of sin. We are a slave. Someone say slave. We are a slave to sin because we commit and we obey whatever sin wants us to do. If you've made a mistake or if you sinned today, you know what? You came for a moment of time. You became a servant of sin. Amen. You become a servant of sin because whenever we commit sin, that proves this. It must be master and I must be servant. It says go do that. Even though I know what I'm not supposed to do, it says go do that. I walk over there and I drink what I shouldn't do. I smoke what I shouldn't do. I say what I shouldn't say. You know what I just did? I became a servant of sin. Amen. And so it shows who's master and who's the slave. And the scripture tells us emphatically that all have sin. And though as a result of that, we've all been in bondage to sin. And what that means to me is this. Then we all need to be made free. The Bible says, I'm closing. I really am. Stand with me and we'll do it. Here in the next... Five minutes. <laughs> Romans eleven thirty two. For God hath concluded. Everybody say concluded. For God hath concluded them. He's speaking of Israel. All in unbelief. That he might have mercy upon all. He said conclude them all in unbelief. So I didn't have mercy on them all. Look at Galatians three twenty two. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. He says, I'm putting you all under the same category. So the same freedom can come to you all. Verse 34 of John 8 interprets like this. The one whose lifestyle is characterized by a repeated continuous sin is a slave to sin. Now look, Jesus is again, he's real good at putting pieces of the puzzle together for us. And he does in verse number 36. He says that the son makes you free. But remember in verse 32 he says, the truth makes you free. He's making a connection for him. I'm truth personified. Right? The son sets us free because he is both divine and human. It's kind of like what I took before. He's being that mediator. On, on the human side, he knows the hardships, humankind sinned and propensities. He became that. On Calvary, he became the sin of the world. But he's also that son of God. He's that divine side. And so he's trying to bridge that. And it's all of the, it's that aspect of Jesus Christ being both God and man that empowers the deliverance for all of us. Being human flesh, the son will set you free. The Bible says in Jeremiah 13, 23, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. The question is, can the Ethiopian change his skin? No. Or the leopard his spots? No. Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil? No. In other words, Jeremiah speaking says, just as much as it's an impossibility for a man to change his skin color or a leopard his spots, he says we cannot change our likelihood of doing evil, amen, on our own. We're unable. Here's, here it is. It's very simple. We are unable to set ourselves free. We are unable to deliver ourselves, set ourselves free, atone for our own sin, shed blood to take care of, if you will, the, the, the uh, disruption of the mind of God. We are unable to do that. We need an agent of change for our life. And that was given to us in the man Christ Jesus. The blood and the flesh, the sacrifice, it was all there. The Bible says, and I'm closing, I really am, I'm closing with these verses, Galatians 4 and 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God said, sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to do what? To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit, there it is again, of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which is basically saying, Father, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant. To what? To sin. Ultimately, thou art no more a servant but a son. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Whew. Spiritual freedom that's brought into our lives by the Spirit, the same Spirit.
that even raised Christ from the dead, spiritual freedom brought into our lives. I don't care if you're kin to Abraham, David, Jeremiah, Methuselah, whatever. No. No. Whenever we look back in your pedigree, there needs to be a point where you were born again and you got Jesus Christ a part of your pedigree. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say glory. Spiritual freedom. Amen. Well, we did it under an hour, so let's have a little talk with Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.